And welcome to We Are The People Radio. It is Thursday, January 12th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. And it is God's country. That's, uh, I love this song because it, uh, it reminds us that the values, the principles, and what this country was founded upon. And uh, it's something, something we're losing. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons we do this show is, is our purpose is to is restore and save the Constitution. Today, we're, I'm pretty excited. We're, we're going to be talking about something that's very near and dear to me. And, uh, you know, there's always duality in, in all things, right? When there's light, there's dark, there's good, there's evil, male and female. Uh, yes, only male and female. And, uh, and then there's the Constitution, which brought the most light and prosperity into the world, and then it has a counter, and that counter came shortly after the Constitution was created in the dark recesses of the mind of Karl Marx. And <clears throat> Marxism has, at, since its inception, been aimed at taking down God and the principles of, of liberty, particularly in the, the principles of, of the Republic and the Constitution. And one of the ways that uh, Marxism has been most dangerous through time or, or manifest itself and was able to climb into power was through the use of, well, one of the adversary's greatest tools, which is contention. Uh, Marxism, like the adversary, seeks to put people at odds one with another. And Stalin uh, was very effective at using propaganda to, to get the people to rise up um, against the farmers. They labeled them kulaks. They, they, they gave them a, you know, they tried to give them a, a name that, that uh, was uh, um, harsh, stirred up anger towards them and bitterness towards them. And they sent out all their intellectuals to the villages and let everyone know that the reason that they were in poverty was because of the middle class, because of the kulaks, because of the farmers, because of, you know, the small businessmen. And they were very effective at uh, basically then once you had the people at war one with another, then Stalin and his communist boot was able to step down and crush the middle class to crush those who paid the bills, those who had any chance at restoring freedom or, or maintaining a real solid government. We saw that same division then spread across through, through Marxism and communism to, to China and all across the world during that time in many places, and it left in its wake millions of people dead. The reason, uh, you know, what, what we've been talking about today is, is, the, is how Marxism has, has managed to not only creep across this, this sea into America over the last you know, 50, 60 years, but creep into our universities, creep into our, uh, our, into our, uh, our media, our news outlets, our government. And what we see now is a, a time where America is under, under, under siege by this Marxist doctrine that's it, and the Constitution itself is hanging by a thread because of Marxism. You know, we, uh, we broadcast this out of Utah, and uh, Utah is a place that believes the Constitution is inspired by God. 
Uh, it's a place where you'll find some of the greatest patriots. Uh, you know, we have this is the home of Vezertaf Benson and Cleon Skousen and some of the greatest, you know, patriots of maybe the history of this country other than our founding fathers. And I'd say some that maybe even would very well belong there. But right here in Utah, where you think this would be the safest place for freedom, and, and those who are fighting the hardest to preserve the Constitution, it's, you know, it's, we find the Constitution under maybe in greatest danger. Uh, today, I'd like to welcome onto the show uh, Greg Matson. Uh, Greg Matson's out of Arizona. He has a uh, quick show podcast. And I've been following Greg for uh, a few years. He has an incredible podcast. I'm going to have him, uh, or I'll have him give us the share it with you. But, you know, Greg is a, a very uh, faithful individual, very Christ like, loves God, but he also has his eyes open. And he is one who, like, um, Alexander Schultzenitzen understands the principle of, of the power of truth, the whole idea of let the lie come into the world, but not through me. And uh, he has been very bold in standing and pronouncing and calling out evil wherever it exists. Um, and, you know, whether it's literally wherever it exists, and including when we find it creeping into our own culture here in Utah and even into our universities and even in some of the, into some of the, uh, churches around the around the country so with that being said i'd like to welcome uh, greg to the show greg it is awful great to have you i feel it's a great blessing to have you here today I appreciate it i appreciate the invitation so tell our listeners a little bit about uh, your show how can they find you tell us briefly about you well quick media i started a few years ago we're, we're primarily focused on cultural issues uh also christian issues and um we talk a lot about these ideologies that do spring out of mostly a Marxist chassis or a Marxist background. Um, they can find us on YouTube at Quick Media, C-W-I-C Media. That's our YouTube channel. We are on all of the podca podcast platforms. Uh, and then we've got a website at quickmedia.com, C-W-I-C Media. And quick, by the way, is an old English word which means alive and intelligent. So, you know, kind of like you think of the term quickened, something that's quickened, it's, they used to spell it C-W-I-C. So that's where that comes from. I like it. So, by the way, just want to share this too. Um, we have been getting banned quite a bit lately with, with YouTube, and uh, we're now down to one of our last strikes. Um, you know, we, we will share truth at any cost. So we are asking our listeners, please follow us on Rumble. We just uploaded all of our videos to Rumble. Um, our Rumble channel is We Are The People UT. Uh, also, you can go to our website and get the, you can find any of our links from our website. Our website is wearethepeople.org. Again, it's wearethepeople.org. Uh, so please, uh, before it's too late, help, you know, jump on our Rumble and, and share from there. Let's start. We want to start building that up because mm -hmm. this is the type of information that people need to get out. So... Again, one of the things I love about, uh, and I'll just kind of share this about Greg, he has cast light on many issues. Uh, he's uh, appropriately talked about um, recently from th issues ranging in changes. Well, I'll leave, maybe leave that one out. Well, changes in the, in the temple mm -hmm. over, over time, mm -hmm. uh, which is something I've been very interested about. So when I saw your post, and he handles it very well. He's a man of great faith. Uh, but he also talks about, and, and you'll have to go to his channel, because he talks about... Um, these, he, he's done a very good job, along with Tommy Stevens at uh, BYU Conservatives, so shout out to Tommy, about exposing what's going on in BYU. 
uh, there he has a show where he talks about they're talking about a genderless Jesus in BYU. I, I, I'm just I'm sorry. I hope we can talk about that today. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the range of issues you know finding you know you know you know trying to help trying to make racism and is driving this Marxist racism and division in our campus. Um, so check out his, his page because he's got a lot of phenomenal stuff. But, uh, you know, Greg, as we sit here today, you've been up here in Utah. He's out of Arizona. He came up here, and while he's up here, I feel very blessed that you could join us. Um, as you're up here in Utah, tell me, tell me what's on your mind. What, what concerns you right now? Concerns. Well, as far as being in Utah, I would say the biggest concern I have is the creeping in of, you know, these philosophies of men. It's, uh, these philosophies are, they, they've been, it's kind of like a virus, right? Where you have a virus that comes in, you, you look at Marxism 1.0, you get communism, and then it starts to morph, right? It didn't work. It dies off for the most, well, it dies off to some degree. And so it has to mutate. It has to change. And that's what it did. So you have the coming up through Marx, you go up into Antonio Gramsci, you come to the Frankfurt School, which is a bunch of Marxists in Frankfurt, Germany, during the time of Hitler, that obviously weren't going to get along with well with Hitler. And, and so they come out to New York, uh, to Columbia University, and they start their institute, uh, the Frankfurt School, is basically looking at how are we going to bring Marxism to the West? How do we do this? Because it's not succeeding, or it's not spreading the way it's supposed to do. And how do we do this out here in the West? And so they start working on this, and there's some very smart guys, and, and what they start moving toward is, is pulling from Antonio Gramsci's writings that he wrote mostly in prison of instead of focusing on class, because there's such a strong middle class, right, in the West, especially in the United States, let's focus on cultural issues. And, and so they start doing that, start looking at, at cultural issues, and, and instead of a bourgeoisie and a proletariat, uh, you now look at in culturally, how are we gonna go into some of these pillars of the, of, of the, of, of the United States, such as media, law, family, religion, and, and get in there through cultural uh, uh, Trojan horses, right? Where, where we can go in with compassion and tolerance and, and, and then start to divide and break down. And, and what they come up with is what they call critical theory. And critical theory is basically dividing mostly people, but also organizations and thought processes and, and concepts between an oppressor and a victim. And so, and, and it's really interesting because you talk to people that have gone down that road for a while and then come out of it, you do get very easily immersed in that thought process. It becomes a new mental process so that when you are looking at a company, all of a sudden the company and those especially at the top are going to be the oppressors, right? Because it's an authority thing. So if every authority is going to be the oppressor and in the church, if you've, if you've been exposed to this type of thinking and, and you, you know, for, let's say, you know, the patriarchy, right? You, you've, you're looking at the patriarchy and all of a sudden 
it's men that are bad, or it's those that have established capitalism are bad, or, you know, once you move that to the church, it's a very natural process to all of a sudden start saying, well, these old white men in the church are the oppressors, right? They're the ones in authority. And so it's, you become very susceptible. A lot of the young, younger generations can be very susceptible to this type of, of thinking once they've been taught how to do it, once, once you start moving into that. And, and this is, you know, one thing with, with the youth is, you know, it's no long, you no longer have just the parents that are the primary source of their, their authoritative information and education, right? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously you've always had school, but now you have the internet and you have the iPhone coming along in 2008. Kids now have access to a lot of information and people that want to push these ideologies understand that very clearly. You know, one of the other things that's, that uh, Karl Marx and, and, and for Marxism to work uh, Stalin, Marx, they understood that you need to disassemble the family and dismantle the family and that the state has to take control of the educating of, of, the, of the children. And uh, <clears throat> so one of the ways that, you know, for them to be effective, the first steps of that are destroy the family, which is, you know, interestingly enough, it's, it, you know, it started as a war on the family, taking the mother out of the home, getting her working, telling her she didn't need a man, making men weak and irresponsible and infantile, keeping them more boys so that they, they were not the type of men who could provide for and, and raise a family so that they would be more willing to leave them and abandon their wives. And then you have, a, then the, once you have a generation of that, now you have children who are basically raised by the state. And today being raised by the state is the same as being raised by the iPhone because the iPhone is the state. The media is the state. The music is the state. You have the state you know, this, these same, these same players controlling the media, controlling the, you know, the entertainment, controlling, you know, the propaganda from the school, through the phone, through the TV. I mean, it's like Hitler would have dreamed to have the tools. Mm-hmm. Stalin would have dreamed to have the tools that our leaders have to implement their, this, you know, their, their philosophy. Well, what you're talking about is exactly that, that, uh, the way that virus works, right? The way it mutates. That that way, everything you just mentioned is the culture, right? So it, that it, so they they understood that the state is never going to get the power in the United States to be able to authoritatively change and and tyrannically is the only way it works, right? Is that's not going to happen. But if you can if you can move into the culture and get the culture and capture the culture, then you get more of a, a, a different type of a. Uh, it doesn't have to be a top-down tyranny, That's right? Right. It, it can it can move from below and through the, throughout the culture and change people's minds. And 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 I will say one thing. I think in addition to the ideologies, what has happened in the United States that makes a big difference is is technology. So as an example, you go back into the late 19th century, and you have everything from things that are domestically going to help a, a, a mother and a housewife with her chores and everything that she's responsible for, of course, not from the patriarchy, but just naturally responsible for. By nature. By it's nature. Not, it's sure. not the patriarchy. It's nature. It's nature. Women right? bear children. Yes, and, exactly. And it's not the patriarchy that set that up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, you know, now the chores become less. There, there's more technology that allows. It's, it's, there, it's, there's more flexibility, right, to move beyond that. When you move the the big change, even even 
even the the activism for let's say uh, you know the the, uh, the women's vote I think that had a lot less to do the activism had a lot less to do with actually even accomplishing that than actually again these changes that are happening through technology that allow women to step out of the home more right next comes along not next but you've got television that's kind of like the iPhone at the time mm-hmm. that makes a difference. And then the big one is the pill. Yeah, right? that changed the, everything. The, the, birth the pill changed everything. And and I don't think people realize how significant that was in the in changing this country and world. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yeah, I, I think it was a, a one massive of those pivotal difference. things. Well, you think about our culture today. If there was no pill today, what would change? Right? How would things change? What, you look at your families. You know, look at look at look at uh, your choices, your responsibility, your. I mean, everything changes with that one technological advance. You know, Savannah reminds me all the time. She's she's our host for those who who are, are watching, and some you know she'll you'll, you find her show. She does a lot with us and as her own, but she re, she reminds me that uh, it is women who actually have a much higher say on what happens in the culture and, and are, are truly leaders in culture more than we realize because women are nature. Women select men. And, uh, you know, men, especially men who lack purpose, their purpose becomes trying to get that girl. Mm-hmm. And when that, if that girl has standards and expects a man to, you know, wait till he's married and to hold certain standards, guess what? That, that, that helps shape those men into men to different type of men. But once the women say, "Hey, there is no standard here, and I'll take anybody and anything," and and uh, you know, all of a sudden the men degenerate because now they don't. It's just eat. It's again, there's no effort to go chase it. Well, and I'll add it. This is a little off topic, but I'll add to that. You know, look again. Technological advance is you look at you, you look at online dating and dating apps. Yeah. And and what how that has changed things. So, for example, women are much more selective, by far more selective. Uh, what, than, what is, men. What is the, than men, you know, so it's, I think the number is they, they swipe right on 5% of profiles and men swipe right on 40%. Yeah, men men of are just profiles, desperate dogs. Right? Exactly. And now, now granted, I mean, you go online and a lot of men are just looking for sex and, you know, granted, but, but what that means is who are the 5% that, that are being swiped right on, right? All of a sudden you're, 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 you're creating this. It's the exact opposite of what the patriarchy, fighting the patriarchy, right? Because you're, you're putting all of the sexual power, quite frankly, in to a very small group yeah. of men. And, and all these other men are like, what's going on? There's no one to date. I'm not getting any dates. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And now, now how do I react to this? What do I do? You know? Call it racism. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> You're oppressed. <laughs> yeah, so I guess this is another example of, of how technology really does. Ch- it, yeah. So to me, it's, it's not the activism that makes the change necessarily, especially coming like, you know, the hard left activism. I, I really think it's the question for us is how do we react to the changes? What do we do? How do we react to these technological changes and, 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 Stick to our principles. Stick to our guns on on uh, you know the family and on responsibility, personal responsibility, and on morality. And um, it's because it, it's getting harder and harder to do. Yeah. 
you know, I, I, I feel like you're an expert in a lot of areas. The, the, I think the thing that really brought you onto my radar was uh, opening my eyes to BYU. I, I went to BYU. Um, had a, you know, I mean, it was it was it was good. I liked I liked BYU. I'm a huge fan of BYU football, obviously, but um, I never, you know, I, I felt like everything was okay when I was there. Of course, I was not so politically awake at the time, but I didn't see any anything there that seemed weird. If everything felt like it was great, it felt like church school, and um, you know, for the mother who's thinking, who's sending their, or you know, got a child, she's considering sending their their father sending their kid to BYU. Are there things they should be aware of? It is, has this Marxism, has this stuff crept into BYU, or is it something that you can send your kid to BYU and not worry about them? Yeah, so I would say, especially in talking about these ideologies, I would, I would go more along the lines of, of calling this something like social justice. And, and it's all on a Marxist chassis, um, but they've morphed it quite a bit. Um, but are there things that they need? Absolutely. And that's, that's what we really focus a lot on is awareness. How do we, I think that if you, if you send your kid to any university, you should know, number one, that they're, they're going to be taught a lot of things that they're going to try to undo an awful lot of things that have been, you've been brought up with or that you've taught your kids for 18 years. They're, they're, you know, whether it's family, whether it's religion, whether it's, they're going to be exposed to these things. And you kind of, I think everybody would be expecting that and talking to their kids about that, et cetera. The problem at BYU is people don't expect that. Right. And so you're sending, That's... yeah, you're sending your kids there thinking, well, this is church owned. I'm so glad they're there. They're going to be in a great environment. And, and you know what, you know, most of it is a great environment, but but they're, they're, you know, I call this the religion of academia because it, it, this social justice really is a, a, a religion. It has its own rituals. It has its own idea or its own belief systems. It has its own priesthood. It is, it's a religion, and it does come out of academia. And so when you look at BYU and you say, okay, well, logically, BYU is not separate in academia. Right, you have you have professors that have gone and been educated at, at, at other schools, and and they're taught in a certain way, and they're taught certain things. And when you realize that academia is immersed in this religion, it's completely taken it over. You know, the, the universities. There are some hard sciences where it's not quite as bad, but they're barely hanging on. Then then you have to realize, okay, those professors are now coming into BYU. And again, it's just not all of them, but they're, they're, a lot of them are coming into BYU. The newsletters that they read, right? The email groups that they're on from other universities, the organizations that they're part of, the boards that they sit on, the research that they do with other professors, um, the accreditation process for BYU, right? The accreditation, the, the school itself has to be accredited every seven years, and every department at BYU has to be accredited every seven years. Well, the accreditation institutions are saying, Here's where you need to change. What are your policies on LGBTQ? What are your policies here and here and here? Here's what we'd like to see you do in the next seven years. So the, the idea that it's completely separate, it's, it's not. And, and so, yes, it's a good place, but you need to be aware that, that 
it's still academia. And there is still a religion that is not Christianity, right? That, that, that is pervasive there. And there are some professors that are fully absorbed into that religion. And to what degree is it being pushed? Give us some examples. Um, I don't know the degree that this would be. Uh, and I think there is a spectrum that you're going to find. You're sure, going to find. You've got good teachers and, and, and those that are, you know, I don't want to say bad because the line between good and evil is between all of us. But you have, but you, let's just say you have some that are pushing it and some that are not, some that are probably against it, some that are pr- pr- completely hook, line, and sinker. But uh, what are some of the examples? What are some things that have, that have shocked you to see? Uh, well, I'm not shocked anymore, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, you've got, uh, we had the genderless Jesus uh, T- class. Right. That, talk, that, talk about the genderless Jesus. You, you did a show on that. Talk about it. Yeah, so, so the teacher is doing a, this is in a family uh, life sciences class, a family life, and the teacher is going over gender and basically bringing in queer theory and, and gender ideology into the class on the slides they bring in the gingerbread person, which is a an icon for gender fluidity and and gender transition. Uh, it's used in many different examples. It's used in a lot of universities. It's been around for several years. I'm I'm surprised that I haven't seen this before at BYU actually. Uh, but along with that, the gingerbread person, um, the t- the the professor goes over talks about Jesus and how Jesus is genderless. And that we should all try to be like Jesus and, and be genderless. And, and what she means by that is, well, to some degree, she's saying, well, you know, you need feminine characteristics and you need, you need masculine characteristics. And that's the way Christ was. But overall, if you look at the whole presentation, what she's talking about is the fluidity of gender and, and how Jesus represents that. Right. Because before she talks about that, she talks about how you know, the whole idea that there's a span of genders because you have extreme feminine, extreme masculine, and anybody could anywhere in the scale in between is, is all these different gender ideas. Yes. What is queer theory? Boy, queer theory is really, I was going to say interesting, but it's not interesting. It's, it, queer theory is, is basically, you can take all of the LGBTQ issues and put them under Q, which would be queer. A lot of people say, will identify as queer because they don't identify as gay, lesbian, transgender, uh, um, bisexual, etc. But they're queer. So queer would be in what it really means, and they follow what it really means, which is different, right? It's, it's a way of being different and identifying not under the binary, right, of man and woman, male and female. And so queer theory... What it tries to do, really, is stay queer very much. It wants to stay queer, and it actually wants to. Um, it, it 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 has a. It, it's very difficult for it to to survive because what it tries to do is stay queer, which means stay as a minority and not normal. And at the same time, it's pushed to grow to become more the norm, right? So there's this, this conflict with, with how queer theory is taught, with how it is accepted. And really, when you look at a queer theory, you're talking about it, it's, it's the gender fluidity. It's the gender fluidity. It's, it's, the, it's the complete 
destruction of the binary. That's that's what they're trying to do. So, folks, you know, why does this matter? Well, how about this? Because you know, you know, when I was in college, not long. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. What percentage of people identified as LGBTQ? I mean, it was probably like one, maybe two percent. What percentage of these young people coming out of college do you think are identifying today as LGBTQ? I know you know the answer. But would you believe it's 20%? Is that's that right. right? That's right. 20%. Of Generation Z, of Gen Z, it's 20% do not identify on the binary. Why does this matter? When evil is in power, they have. There's always a, there's always something that happens. They wage a war on on creation. They they wage a war on God. They wage a war on children. When the when when the pharaohs was in power, who who did who did they have killed? They went after the children, the firstborn, the, all the males, all the babies. When Christ. When they were during the time of Christ, again a war on on, on the babies. Uh, they went out Herod and tried to yeah, have all the babies killed. You look at the amount of abortions. You look at the war on the family. This is a war on 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 creation. Abortion is the, the amount of abortions. The amount of babies being killed right now are insane. We are killing children and we are preventing them from coming into the earth. By pushing this this ideology of, of this LGBTQ, what we prevent is the natural order of male and female becoming husband and wife and, and ha- rearing healthy children. Yeah, that's that's ultimately, and I would say social justice itself on the Marxian ch- chassis has more objectives than that, but the identitarianism, the LGBTQ movement and, and, the, and the identitarianism, it's... Its target is the family. Yeah. There's just no doubt that is that is the target. That would include feminism, hardcore feminism, and 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 uh, anything on the gender on gender fluidity. That the the target is the family, and it's hard to argue against that. The target is is the nature of God. Sure, it is which God's mean, which is also it the is nature God's of us. Pattern, yes. And I mean, and to have, you know, at a at BYU. A teacher who is saying that, you know, the savior of this world, you know, the, the god of this world is genderless. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't even have, I don't know what to say. Yeah, and again, the the, the issue there is, you expect that to some degree going to another university, and and yet if you're going to put people into a position of authority and of trust. Uh, at BYU, and yet they're the ones bringing these things up. I mean, a lot of people can say, okay, well, I guess the church believes in this. I guess this is all approved. And What's that, Senna? So there are things that are changing, and that is one of them. You know, so for example, within the religion department, those that are going to be teaching religion are now all brought in through CES, and that was not the case previously. And there's a kind of a, two different thoughts on that, right? Because you have, well, the best teachers and the best biblical scholarship and other scholarship, and to bring that in into religion is really important because we want to have this 
great knowledge of religion and send kids out in the world with great knowledge. To a small degree, that's true. The problem is, is what you do is you open up a can of worms, again, of bringing professors in that are trained differently and that may not be quite as sound on their testimonies and, and their faith. They may not be sounded on their testimonies and their faith, but I'll tell you, a lot of these other other Christian churches are standing up against this LGBT, this Marxist stuff. I mean, obviously, I feel like a lot of the mainstream, the biggest churches, the global churches, seem to be kind of towing the line with this kind of Agenda 2030, this you know World Economic Forum uh, talking points. But, I mean, I see the point. I mean, the, if the people they're bringing through the CES program aren't already indoctrinated by the same principles, because that's the thing is you got these kids saying, I'm at BYU, and, and how many and, – and, and I'd like you to give us some references of, and examples of people almost quoting from the prophets and the brethren and, and manipulating their words to push this, these agendas. Because yeah. these young kids, their minds are, are – they want to do what's right. They want, they're there. They're hungry. They're looking for truth. And when you have a, prof a, a professor, all of us are inclined to look to authority and, and trust authority. And especially, obviously, in this culture in Utah. And when you have the authorities, your professor, telling you that what the twisting the prophet's words and saying that really what he's pushing is inclusion, uh, that, they're, that, 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 that they're pushing that, you know, that really Jesus is actually genderless, really that, you know, that these things, you know, there is no absolute truth. How in the world can we expect the, are the future leaders of, of, of our church, of our, of our state, of our nation, to not be blind? Yeah, it's, it's, again, it's a problem. And that, that to me, is the very worst thing. I, I, you know, for me, if I was in college and I came against a professor like that, I would, I would almost feel it was entertaining because I'd want to fight against him. Right. right. We are adult, mature right, men. Sure. But a young boy, young girl. Sure, absolutely. And then... And then and then, to, but to conflate the words of the scriptures and of the gospel, that to me is the, is the can, biggest problem. Can you give some examples have. of how that's going on? Well, you'll have things like uh, a biology teacher who is um, bringing up the words of Ibram X. Kendi, who is the number one critical race theorist in the country and loved, beloved by academia right now. And someone, by the way, who thinks that the atonement is racist and is, uh, believes that the way to get rid of racism is to replace it with racism on the other side. And in fact, last year, the Kennedy Center at BYU had his book as the book of the year to read for everybody. What? It, it's just absolutely insane. And, 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 the, and the professors what? were pushing it, right? They're pushing it. But the pro so that's one issue, right? You, and you have a professor that will say something along the lines of, you know, hey, this is a different way to look at Jesus, right, as far as liberation theology. This is a different way to look at Jesus. And, and here's where the indoctrination comes in. And this is something you can take back to your family and tell them about this new look at how Jesus, about Jesus, how to look at Jesus differently. And that's, I mean, I've got that on video. That's, that's you know, or a biology teacher who says, takes these words of Ibram Kendi and says, something along the lines of, look, this is the same as what President Nelson just said in conference about racism and that we need to root out racism and, and prejudice and everything else. And then you conflate this 
and it is, it's very Marxian tenets of, of uh, someone like a, an Ibram Kendi with the prophet and say, look, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. And, and yes, this is happening, right? I've got the slides on this. I've got the audio on this. It's, it's, it does happen. I will say they are making changes. They are, they are making changes, and I'm hoping they're going to work. I don't know, but there, there are new people in place that are, that are making some serious changes. And I'm going to tell, share this with, with the listeners. The only reason changes are being made is because people are, are, st are standing up and calling the university, reaching out to the church, and, and, and standing up to it. The fact of the matter is, while there's changes are being made, this stuff is still very much happening. And, and es I, I feel like it's still escalating. I don't know. It could be. Um, I try to get a feel of things. I try to talk to as many people there as I can. I've spoken to a number of professors there that don't agree with me. I, I, I speak with professors that are fully agree with me. So I try to get a pulse of it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be very difficult to, uh, to, to on a way forward um, as academia becomes more and more entrenched in social justice. And, and how do you stay part of that and, and still stay true to the mission of, of BYU and to gospel principles? It's, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm hoping others do. You know, <clears throat> there's always been wicked, you know, the, the, the role of the church the role of, uh, and one of the roles of the prophets throughout time has been to stand up in opposition to the wicked kings, to stand up in opposition to Babylon, to to expose it and call wickedness to repentance. Um, many of them died doing that, but but to stand for truth. You know, like you know, let, let the lie come into the world, but not through me. Mm -hmm. You know, to to not participate in in, in the lies and 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 in, in the darkness of Babylon. I just got to say, where are where 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 is the opposition to this to to Babylon? Where is the opposition? The greatest threat to this country to this world. We we are clearly in in the last days. There is a great and abominable church rising, and it is in power, and it is very much in this world economic forum in which seeks to take the power of all nations nations and people and and where is the is the the voice standing for truth against the lie well the voice to me should be you and me and everybody else i i that's to i i i, I hear that a lot i'm i'm not convinced that the responsibility is out there See, that to me is a social justice thing of, of, well, you're the problem, you're the problem, and you're the problem out there. And I would say to you, what are you doing? You know, not you, but what, 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 what you know, an audience, what are you doing? What voice do you have? Because that's, you know, if you think about Zion, Zion you're, you're not, you cannot be a, an observer in Zion. You just can't. You, that, that's not Zion. What, what, what an observer then is a bunch of people you know, I, I don't know. You, you can't be someone just observing. You have to be a participant. 
in Zion. What does that mean? Well, of course, there's service and there's charity and there's love, but there's also standing as a witness to Christ. Fear not and rejoice, for the kingdom is ours. Yeah, and and, and so it's, you know, there. sometimes I think, well, I, sometimes I, I am concerned about the church in the sense of its culture because we seem to have, and, and I say this is all, you know, especially in the Book of Mormon belt, kind of this, this uh, sense of, number one, niceness. It, it seems like, like we seem to hold up this niceness as this huge virtue. And, and I see it as not a virtue whatsoever. No, niceness is not a virtue. It, it's, just, it's just not a virtue. And, you know, I believe in kindness. Yes, that's like that's something different. you're, you, it, it's not passive, right? But being nice is not a virtue. And, and polite is important only in the right circumstances. Yeah. Christ was not a nice guy. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly right. He was Christ, kind. And Christ was, did not get crucified for being a nice guy. Yeah, he was, he was you know, he was going to focus on truth. And so, and then the other thing that comes up is, well, you know, we're told, you know, not to be a part of contention. And I fully agree with that. But when you have the world, if you really believe that we live in the last days, and, and, and I think most people do, and this is, I find, an interesting disconnect. Most people believe we live in the last days, but yet fail to recognize or believe that there could be conspiring forces, there could be evil, there could be, you know, the, the, what the last days actually talks about. But go ahead, you said, if you live in the yeah, last days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so if, if you live in the last days and, and, and there's going to be evil in the last days, and, and that we have... Uh, you know, what most Christians would believe a, a historical arc that moves us toward uh, an end that is not good, right? Uh, then that means that it, unless you're going to, you know, sit in a, a boat on a raft that goes along with the current, you're going to come along with contention. You are not contention, but with conflict. Mm. There's no way to avoid that. You're, you're going to come up with more and more conflict if you're not going to go along with the world. Because as the world continues to go downriver, you're, and you're trying to hold your ground, that current is stronger and stronger, there, there will be conflict. And if you're not ready for that and accept that, then, then I think you're really susceptible to being carried away in the current. What did Christ say about he who will not take up his sword? Sure, yeah. And, and against who? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. Family, oh, brother, yeah. sister, and if for him. If oh, for you're him, talking about Captain Morona. No, no, Christ. Oh. He will not take up his sword. And it, oh. I'll pull the scripture. Okay. But uh, he, I, I think not that I brought. I bring peace to the world, but a sword. Oh, a sword, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah and I, I mean, look. There is. There is. Christ is. It, it, it's. It is. He is a God of love, but he is also a God of justice and truth. And and. When we put being nice and getting along and trying to be popular ahead of standing for truth, when we have a world spinning into tyranny and the consequence of that is our children in chains, that's really that actually is not nice. No, that's not. Nor nice is that love. Nor is that. Nor is that duty or courage or virtuous. Well, I would say in, in regards to the love there that you talk about. You know, a lot of people talk about love, and, and they, I think we're, we're being taught today that love is the same thing as tolerance and compassion. And, and, it's, and, and if you really look at it, you know, I think about the love of Christ. 
that it, it, it's not he's he's not giving compassion without being rooted in truth and reason right he's he, that that the, the, those are always coupled with a compassion and then he's he's not compassionate in the sense that he's saying you be you you live your truth right what you know that's not love right for him that's not going to be love from him what his love is going to be look i love you and i know what your potential is i know who you can be and here are the principles to get you there this is why you need to follow this and and if i'm just going to give you the compassion uh, up front that is a that's a short term you know non-eternal principle that's not love yeah god is truth God is light, and the adversary is darkness and deceit, and tyranny is built on a foundation of lies. And, you know, our, our system of republic, this uh, America is built on the idea that there is a God and that there are absolute truths, and that when we align with those absolute truths, there is happiness. This counter-government, this Marxism, seeks is, is a government founded in lies, darkness, and death, and its objective is to, is to overthrow God and overthrow truth itself, because once there is no God, it allows the government to step up in that role as the source of our rights. And what I find, what I find very disturbing is, is you look at this, at this force, this Marxism, it seeks to undermine God and dethrone him by supplanting eternal truths with lies. Uh, no, the, the, the very idea, the very simplest truth that there are two genders. No, there are, there's a lie for it. Every truth of God, Marxism has a counter lie to it. And so what we're truly fighting is war on truth. It is war on God himself. You know, this, the, everything that these, that these Marxist people are, are preaching is a, is a war on the very idea of God and eternal truth. And the, and the principles Western civilization was founded upon. And to have that being taught, the, the, you know, the father of lies being taught in, our, in a church-owned university, the paradox to me is I, I just can't get my mind around it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely concerning. And I, I, I would suggest that if you're, if you're sending your kids to BYU, great, but just don't be naive. Could you give right. one other example, and then we're going to then we still, let's start to close. Uh, another example. Well, you've got uh, one professor that taught. Uh, it, this was actually not at BYU, but he's a BYU professor teaching about Joseph of Egypt being gay, and and questioning that. And that was this whole talk about it was Joseph gay and using scripture and you know he just, fled from Pharaoh's wife, so clearly he's a homosexual. Yeah, yeah. So it uh, it's very just just. Just make sure your kids are prepared and that they you, they understand that even at BYU, you may not always get, uh, you know, what, what you're supposed to get. You know, Greg, I appreciate you, you know, for, for being here today. Um, folks, again, you know, follow him on and, and his uh, YouTube quick show podcast. Um <clears throat> To me, what is the solution? This, to me, the this, this solution is two things. One is stand up for truth. The, the greatest you know, th threat to tyranny is, 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 is a small number of people who, who 
It's the, it is a story of the emperor who has no clothes. Emperor, tyranny is built on a lie. It only works when people go along with it. The emperor, this Marxism, is a lie. There are two genders. It doesn't matter how many, what we know, you know, trans men are, you know, men are, well, are men. They cannot have babies, period. You know, only man and women can have children. Stand up for truth. When enough people call out the truth, the emperor gets suddenly revealed that he has no clothes and loses his power. So stand up for truth. The other thing, like Greg said, we have to teach our children. We have to take the family back. This is a war on the family. Strengthen your family. We need mothers raising children. Yes, that is an eternal truth. That is how we survived as a species. We need men being men and being providers. And we need children being raised by a mother and father, not by a state, not by the media, not by the propaganda, this propaganda Marxism, and definitely not relying on other outside organizations, whether it's schools, churches or university to be in charge of raising your children and teaching them values. Because if we step out and say, and, and expect, and try to keep up with, so busy keeping up with the Joneses, and that becomes our priority that we allow our children to be raised by the state, even by an incredible university like BYU, you may find your children lost and this country lost forever. And the cost of the ch this country being lost forever should terrify the daylights out of you if you have studied Marxism. Agreed. People, we got a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. But this is the greatest time. We live in the time prophets, people of old, looked forward to. And what an amazing time to be alive, to see the things we see, to see humanity the, at, 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 a, at a, living at a point of opulence, which the world could have never imagined. And to be living in that time and to see the darkness and to see the war and see these, these signs happen around us and be a part of it and to not be a witness but an actor to play a role in in the return of the savior that's what we're working toward yeah god bless you god bless america we're gonna win let's stand up the fight so give us a